1: And welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker. And if you go there, you can drive your dream car today. You're not working with some big dealership that's going to be selling volume and just treats you like a number. At Rocky Mountain Eurosport, it is an intimate buying experience because you know what? If you want a luxury car, Everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience, don't you think? So whether it's a luxury car or you want a foreign car, domestic car, no problem. They got the inventory and they're going to get you the car you want at the price that you want. They also service all makes and models. They have fantastic finance options. The owner, Josh, runs a great shop there. Go in and tell him I say hello and say hello to him because he is going to be just you're just going to love working with him and his team. Get on over to Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker. Go for a test drive today or find them at rmurosport.com. Time now for the lead. The lead, presented by
0: Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk.
1: Okay, Mesa, we talked about at the top of the show. Now they're at the bye week. We talked about the MVP. We both agreed as Bridgewater, although I think a lot of people probably just drove off the road when I said that after what happened in the last game. But
2: oh, lo- I can't, I can't wait to put that clip on social media.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Oy. we're we're looking at the body of the entire season. At the end of the day, right. he's, been, he's been the best quarterback since Manning. You want to argue with me? Give us a call 303-831-1340. Bring it and bring it as much as you want to. Offense, I mean,
2: maybe he may be average. But average is an upgrade.
1: That's right. The bar hasn't been set very high. Right. With that right. offensive MVP, we decided to not talk about the quarterback. We went with other positions on the team. You went with Melvin Gordon. I went with Tim Patrick. Defensive MVP. You went with Justin Simmons. I went with Pat Sertan. With that, who's been the biggest surprise?
2: And surprise is kind of a positive thing. Yes. Because we get. Had- Get to the other side. Well, of Well, biggest so
1: disappointment is kind of self-explanatory.
2: Yes, yes, it is. But the big, the biggest surprise on this team for me, it's uh, Caden Stearns. Even though he hasn't had many reps, he he has been arguably the most efficient player on this team in terms of maximizing his reps. And looks, and it looks like now they'll be more than willing to let Kareem Jackson leave in free agency after the season and hand the baton at safety next to Justin Simmons to Caden Stearns. They may have have found a starter in the fifth round.
1: I was going to go with him. I was actually considering him for best rookie, not because he has played a lot and he's been great throughout, but when he's been on the field, he has been impactful. He has made plays. But I will go with that guy. Caden Stearns as the biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. I think this is a no-brainer.
2: Yeah, it's Garrett Bowles has got to be, and has got to be an All-Pro.
1: No, or he's not. My, he's not my biggest two. disappointment. He apparently he's, it wasn't that obvious.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, you, I, there are other guys you could argue for, but no, there's only one. It, there's only one. Who?
1: Kyle Fuller. Don't tell me what he's done in his last two games. He got benched. Yeah. He got benched with that contract. He has been an enormous disappointment.
2: A contract that is double what Garrett Bowles was making, or, right. or half what Garrett Bowles was making. Bowles making double. I think in both cases, what we are, are the reason why you can argue for them as disappointments is that they're not coming close to living up to the value they're being paid at. Fair. Now Bowles has played a bit better in recent weeks, but when you're talking about a seventeen million dollar a year tackle, yeah, that guy needs to be at a Pro Bowl level. And for too long this season, he wasn't close to that.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Kyle Fuller. And what's funny is I certainly don't need the national media to tell me how to think, but this just goes to my point of picking Kyle Fuller, which I would have picked him anyway. Uh, I think I saw on one website. I can't remember who it was. They picked the eight biggest disappointments in the NFL, and Kyle Fuller was actually on that list, yeah. along with Sam Darnold and yada, yada, yada. Best rookie?
2: Sertan. Yeah.
1: I know everybody wants to say Javante Williams.
2: It's certain by a nose. It, now the look, if Javante Williams, we talked about how it it could flip the the ratio of work between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, the touches they have. Yep. If that flips, and it flips, let's say it flips to the point where Javante is getting seventy five percent of the snaps and the carries at running back, and he's effective, and we, we could be talking about Javante Williams being the best rookie by the end of the season, especially if Javante, let's say Williams gets more of the, more of the lion's share of the work and the Broncos go five and two the rest of the way. If that happens, I think we can argue for, for, for Javante Williams, but based on what we have today, Pat Sertan is a, is a top 10 rookie who is an, is already your number one cornerback. Right. And, and how many rookies are legit CB ones, how many rookies are legitimately in the pro bowl discussion in their first year. He is wouldn't surprise because of the fact that he's a first rounder. He has that. He does have that recognition. Would not surprise me. If Sertan sneaks his way into the pro bowl,
1: we might agree on the next one. I'm not sure because I think it's one of two guys. Yeah, but we'll see if we agree. What injury has affected the Broncos the most this season?
2: Wow, I mean, this is kind of a coin flip.
1: That's what I mean. I think it comes down but, to two guys. Let's see if we're on the same page. In three, two, one, go. Jerry Judy. That's where I was going.
2: Yeah, not Bradley Chubb. Right. They effectively replaced Bradley Chubb for most of the for most of the year. Now, yeah. it's without Vaughn Miller, you're seeing the strains of it now. You're without Miller and without Chubb for multiple games here and so we could see for example last sunday philadelphia and they i thought exposed malik reed in particular against the run and that's where this is kind of broken down malik reed is a pass rusher he's on pace to have another eight sacks another uh, seven or eight sack season kind of like he had last year but he's not been really strong at the point of attack that, along with the injuries and inside linebackers, is is something is a reason why you've seen the Broncos exposed against the run more often than not in recent weeks. So, there's an there's an argument for Chubb, but without Judy, the off the, the offense simply wasn't as dynamic. And fair or not, Jerry Judy is the wide receiver one right. when he's out there.
1: Right. Okay. At the beginning of the season, when we were in training camp. If somebody would have told you the Broncos would be five and five at the bye week, I'm not saying it feels like two and eight, which it does. But if I told you they'd be five and five, no matter how they got there, they got there. But they'd be five and five at the bye week. Would you have been happy, disappointed, or said, eh, that's just right"?
2: I had them six and four at the bye. I would have been slightly disappointed. And the other thing I would have said was, they've used up their margin for error already. No question. So I would, I would have been, I. Th- I looked at their schedule, looked at those opening three games, and then th- I expected that they would start 3-0, and but then I thought they would get three of the next seven, and, and they got two. They did not get it in the way that I thought they would. I thought the Broncos would get the Raiders at home, beat the Raiders at home, yeah. beat Washington, beat philadelphia right losing to the raiders at home especially since the raiders have declined since then that's looking worse and worse losing to philadelphia at home that's just you can't do that
1: right i would say it was just about right for me again i'm basing it on a five win team last year but i did think this team would be better than they are i thought the defense would be better than it has been it has been horribly inconsistent and please don't throw stats at me what they are in the red zone. At the end of the day, a lot of, uh, it's situational football and you may have the best red zone defense in football, but maybe that's because you're giving up, I don't know, sixty five yard touchdown plays.
2: Well, the other thing is they're giving up more yards per drive than they were last year, and they're also and they're also giving up more points per possession than they were last year. Now, you look at their like their scoring defense and there they are, you know, they're top top 3 in the league in scoring defense on a per game basis but they're they're allowing those points on fewer possessions because the offense as we discussed earlier it's controlling the ball more and thus the defense is seeing fewer opportunities so points per game are down but points per possession which basically adjusts for pace that's that is up unfortunately for the for the Broncos this this defense it's the highest-paid D in football, and for too long, it had too many stretches. It hasn't looked like it. You know what? When we were when we, when we had these topics on there, and I was thinking about them, I nearly decided to say the biggest disappointment was the Denver defense as a whole.
1: Yeah, no question. All right, coming up after the break, ESPN had an article today on citing the toughest losses for each team in NFL history. ESPN picked the Broncos' divisional round playoff loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you agree? Well, I had a nice conversation with Rod Smith on the phone today, and I'll share some of his thoughts with you if he believes that is the biggest loss in Broncos history. That's next.
0: Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew.
1: Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. Mile You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, Go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to talk about Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar. They are in Lakewood, and, man, they have it all. Uh, every sports package you can imagine. You can watch your favorite team, and you're going to have a great seat in the house. They also have a pool hall. Now, a lot of places have, like, two, three pool tables, if that. They have a pool hall, literally 15 tables and live music, no cover, Best happy hour in Lakewood, two-for-one, wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 every day. And also, want to let you know, on February 25th, uh, Mace, you and I are going to be guest bartenders at uh, Greenfields. It's going to be on a Friday. We'll probably do that for a couple of hours. And uh, our friend Chad at Greenfields Pool and Sports Bar is going to donate some of the proceeds from his sales to charity for us going out there so please join us on Friday February 25th again Greenfields Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood it's got something for everyone time now for The Buzz The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain
0: Eurosport go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience or find them online at rmeurosport.com
1: Okay, there was an article in ESPN today citing the toughest loss for each team in NFL history. ESPN picked the Broncos' 97-divisional round playoff loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, that's right up there, if not at the top of the list. Maybe the only other game I might be able to think of is what happened in 2012, in which the 2012 season, I should say, in which the Broncos lost to the Ravens, and you know Raheem Moore miscalculated, jumping went for the interception and we know that the Baltimore Ravens went on to win the Super Bowl with that is the Jaguars loss the most heartbreaking the Ravens loss in which Peyton Manning and many players on that team at that time would say it was their best team during the Manning era or was it another game
2: you know what I mean because heartbreaking usually implies like it's a close loss right there like going through this list the ESPN compiled they're not a lot of blowouts right it's always like at the end, or you know, you, you had a lead, or like in the case of Houston against Kansas City a couple of years back, they had a twenty-four nothing lead early and completely gagged on it. Um, one thing that one that jumps out to me, even though it wasn't close, but heartbreaking and incredibly consequential, was when the Broncos lost the twenty oh five AFC Championship game at home to Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, that game wasn't even close. It wasn't close. And you know why but it wasn't close? There's because, a reason why. Well, because, because guys. The,
2: Bronco, the Broncos assumed yep. once the Colts were out of the way, yep. they felt like they had it easy, not yep. looking at the fact that Pittsburgh yep. ha- hadn't lost in three months.
1: I was told by guys game. on that team that they overlooked Pittsburgh. The right. guys <laughs> were in the locker room confident. Overconfident, I, I should say, going out there thinking we're just going to roll Pittsburgh. They're a six seed. We're a better team. We're at home, and boy, do they get smacked in the face.
2: That was a that was an incredible missed opportunity, and it was a missed opportunity because, like you said, the, the, the they took Pittsburgh lightly because that Bronco team on balance was better than that Steeler team that year, but they did, they didn't come ready to play the way the steelers did that was that was a a missed opportunity of the highest order and if they had if they had come on point emotionally that day that changes so much about bronco history and uh maybe and the, like, well they have to win the people. super bowl Right.
1: Have to they, the would have been,
2: they, they would have been favored to win that Super Bowl. And Seattle, as we know, played a really bad game that day.
1: With that. Well, it doesn't mean they'd play a bad game against the Broncos. They played a bad game against the Steelers. But I digress. With that, what's the toughest loss?
2: Uh, I, w- I would say, personally, I give a slight edge to 2012 over 1996 as toughest loss.
1: I'm going to go with the Jacksonville game for a lot of reasons, and I'm going to put this game in a few categories. It was not only the toughest, for lack of a better phrase, most devastating, but the most important loss in Broncos history. If there was ever a loss that was important, it was this one. Just to take you back, it's a game they should have won. They were the better team. They were the best team in the AFC that year. Jacksonville was a relatively new franchise. Had a really nice conversation with Rod Smith today, who was on that team. And he was actually on the field for arguably one of the most pivotal plays in Broncos history. And for those that don't remember, Rod Smith was standing back waiting for a punt. He was a punt returner back then and Michael Dean Perry walked off the field. Not jogged, not moseyed, not chassayed, not skipped. He walked off the field. The Broncos were called for 12 men on the field. The Jaguars got a first down. The Jaguars score a touchdown, and that was the clincher. After that game, after that game, There were a lot of guys who were so banged up facing surgeries. Terrell Davis was all banged up. He didn't face surgery. I think our friend Mark Schlereth, he did have surgery. Guys were all banged up, but they were so upset about that loss. The next day, they started focusing on the next season. Now, Now, hold on. Let me finish this thought, though. But think about this for a second. This happened, and the Broncos, as a franchise, still had never won a super bowl. With that, there's no guarantee the Broncos would have won a Super Bowl the that year, but they were so focused and so determined the day after there was nothing stopping them despite a huge be, being a huge underdog against the Packers. Yeah. Nothing you know, was the, going to stop them.
2: Yeah, it was it's funny because I think the back to back titles in '97 and '98 happened because they lost that
1: game, and I will tell you, it and, did. And, and, and
2: players have said that. Yes, and I'm not. And the thing is, it's a different. Let's say they beat the Jaguars, and and then and then the next week they would have played the Patriots at home, and they beat the Patriots and go to the Super Bowl, but that Packer team that that was their the that was the best Packer team of that run was the '96 team, right? It's entirely possible the Broncos could have gotten to the Super Bowl and lost. And what would that have done to the team, to the, to the fan base?
1: You want me to tell you? Because I can tell Go you. Ahead. I'll tell you what Rod told me. Yeah. He said, this is why it was such an important loss. Because after watching Michael Dean Perry walk off the field, they decided as a team No shortcuts, no death by inches. He told me Mm, everything mm. got buttoned up. Yeah, there were going to be no little errors anymore. We are not going to let a guy walk off the field and cost us a game. They bring in Keith Traylor. They bring in Neal Smith. Michael Dean Perry, who was considering retirement after that season anyway, played one game for Kansas City, and he was done. Sadly for Michael Dean Perry, his moment was a similar to a Bill Buckner moment. Michael Dean Perry was a very good defensive lineman when he played. Not good. Very, very good. Pro bowler, all pro. He just had a bad moment, kind of like Teddy Bridgewater. Had a bad moment. But as Rod said to me, if we win that game, maybe we aren't buttoning everything up the following season as tightly as we did because we learned our lesson. And I said to him, do you think you would have won? Let's say you would have gotten to the Super Bowl and let's say lost to the Packers. Do you think you would have won back to back Super Bowls after that? And he said, I'm not so sure because that loss resonated with us and hurt so deep. We as a team decided Mm -hmm. we were not going to die by inches. And he said to me, when Neil Smith came in, he bought into that. He said, when trailer came in, he said that guy bought into what we were going to accomplish with no dumb mistakes.
2: And you know what? It wasn't just those guys as well, because Howard Griffith at fullback was very important. And actually, I know that uh, when the Broncos signed Griffith, he played for the Panthers when they went 12 and four and came within one game of the Super Bowl that in the 96 season. And when the Broncos signed Howard Griffith, a Panthers executive called a Broncos executive and said, you just took the heart out of our team. Yeah. And and think about they said you mentioned Neil Smith. Keith trailer, Howard Griffith, Willie Green was another guy that came in from Carolina, same kind of like a lead guys who were glue guys and leaders all came in. Would that would the Broncos have to have done that if they had gotten to the Super Bowl and lost the dynamic wouldn't have changed. I mean really it, it took that defeat to make what followed, Possible. I mean, and that's why that's one reason why as heartbreaking as that game was in a vacuum, something so amazing came out of it that it wasn't it it ended up being a positive result in the arc of Bronco history.
1: And that's why I said, Mace, it was not only the biggest loss in Broncos history because they were so heavily favored really against a new franchise, but it was also the most important game in franchise history because had they won a Super Bowl before that? Okay, at least they're a Super Bowl champion as a franchise. To that point, they still hadn't won a championship, but like a rocket, they just launched straight up into the air for two straight seasons.
2: But I wonder what the emotional devastation would have been if they'd gotten to the Super Bowl and lost that year. And that's that—that's a tough thing because I mean, when they lost Super Bowl twenty-four, it was the third Super Bowl loss in four seasons. I wouldn't say there was a sense of relief the following year when they didn't make the playoffs but it, it they it seemed like a very tired team that just kind of hit the reset button and it turned out the the year after they went 5 and 11 following those Super Bowl losses they went 12 and 4 the next year so right. it it kind of worked out i but I what, what, what would have happened? What would have been the, the, the air around the team, the confidence of the team, if they'd gotten to the Super Bowl and lost? It might, it might have been just absolutely devastating. Well, I don't it, think it would it have been. Great been. To
1: I don't think it would have been. I'll tell you why. Because when I was talking to Rod on the phone, he said, all we kept hearing was how many times the Broncos had lost Super Bowls. You know what he said to me? None of us were on any of those teams. It didn't matter to any of us. That's what he said to me. That's his quote. Didn't matter to us. The only guy that was on that team was Elway. He said Terrell wasn't. I wasn't. I was a young player. Sharp was in the league for a little while. He said none of us felt that. None of us felt the weight of the world on our shoulders as Broncos players, knowing the history, said that. he said that history was irrelevant. And then when I, you know what I said to him to follow up? I said, you know what? We had a conversation on the show yesterday about the Avalanche playing the Vancouver Canucks. I said Danny brought up in a segment called Just In Case You Missed It about what the Avalanche record was against Vancouver the previous like five years and how well they played or how poorly they played in Vancouver. And what did I say? Talk about wasted space. What does it matter what the Avalanche did four or five years ago in Vancouver? Well, over half the guys weren't even on that team. By the way, what did the Avs do last night? They beat Vancouver. Did they win handily? Yes. I guess the guy who wrote up that game story and threw that in there, which I said yesterday, and I'll repeat it again, wasted valuable
3: copy space. I just saw it as a tweet. Did you? Yeah.
1: Oh, it's not your fault. But I. I, I no, I, I just
3: wanted to let you know. It, yeah, I find it he, wasn't taking up that much copy space, but.
1: Yeah. Well, you only get so, so many characters. If true. anything, if anything, in copy space, as you know as a writer, Mace, you you could have a thousand words just putting that in there. That's nothing. When you have 240 characters or whatever it is, that's valuable real estate. Still there? I'm here, yes. Okay, I'm Just checking. A-
2: yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm just listening to you. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's nice. Well, you know, in
1: the next segment, I want to listen to you. But I also want you to listen to a guy named John Hollinger, who is the president of the Nikola Jokic fan club. Wait till you hear what he wrote about Jokic. Finally, a national guy Gets it. That's next.
0: drive with goodman and mason presented by silter Harmazda. a no pressure buying experience in broomfield at silter Harmazda. find them at sth live from the sasquatch casino and wildcard casino sports desk here's eric and andrew
1: welcome back afternoon drive goodman mason watch us mileisports.com you can reach us rocky mountain forest products twitter feed at mace denver at eric goodman if you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public go to rmfp.com time now For What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Impact Real Estate. Impact
0: Real Estate is creative real estate and solutions with the greatest impact.
1: Go to impactcommercial.co. Well, we just found the president of the Nikola Jokic fan club outside of Denver. And his name is John Hollinger. He writes for The Athletic. And the title of his article, Nikola Jokic, is that dude. This is what he wrote. Jokic is still the most effective regular season player in basketball. Voters seemingly reluctantly gave him the MVP last year and again appear to be scanning the universe for alternatives, and it may be harder to convince them after seeing Curry go amazeballs on Tuesday in the league's most prominent TV game of the season. I get the Steph mania, and all because the Warriors have been unbelievable. But for the love of all that is holy... Would you please stop dismissing Jokic? He's basically a seven-foot point guard at this point, dragging an injury-riddled Denver team to competence. Yet we've heard comparatively little Jokic banter thus far, despite the fact that through 13 games, his PER of 35.5 ranks first all-time. All time in NBA history. By a wide margin, actually, the best all-time best heading into this year was Giannis Antetokounmpo at 31.86. Now, granted, I don't know if Jokic is going to keep his PR at 35.4. With that, Mace, what is Jokic going to have to do to finally earn the respect of the national media?
2: It's a good question because, you know, I I you put this on there, on the email that you sent about the show a few hours ago, and I was—I've been thinking, like, okay, is it market? Well, no, because Giannis, Mal- well, Giannis, and then back in the 1990s, Carl Malone got plenty of national love in Utah. It's so—it's not market. It's—it's
1: it's style of play.
2: It's style of play, and I hate to say it—the way he looks. No question. The way, especially the way—I mean. Especially as he looked before, he kind of remade his body. And it's that, that visual is not out of people's You know
1: minds. what? I, in, instead of giving a visual, I'm going to give you a sound effect that go yeah. through people's heads when they watch Jokic. That's, that's what it feels like people are thinking. He's just plodding like, down. So Three-pointer. Crazy pass. Another rebound.
2: Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna do like a like a tuba, like uh, that they did on Family Guy once, Stewie following people around with a tuba.
1: Right? Yeah. Add your add your favorite musical interlude if you want.
2: Yes, to. it's and it's is it unfair? It's completely unfair.
1: Well, I'll tell you what I think we'll do it, and what we'll do it is what did it for Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki was always considered a very, very, very good player. Until yes. he won a title, then he beca- be, became considered one of the all-time greats.
2: Yeah, and that's what's that's what's going to take here. I mean, because uh, y- Giannis got that without the title, but y- but Giannis looks he looks the part, as in like he he's you know lo- lo- the, his build it's live, Okay, the, the way he he run he runs the floor in a way that Jokic doesn't. Jokic Jokic's talents don't show up as visually and as viscerally, but and, and also, let's face it: the fact that he is not from the United States plays in because he, who is the guy he's compared to skill set wise? Larry Bird, right? Well, he, I'll, Larry, tell, I'll tell you something: Larry Bird's from Frank Schlick, Indiana, and he yeah. played in the national championship game before he ever set foot in the NBA. So that so he and so he got had a, had a credibility in people's minds that Nikola Jokic didn't, being a kid from Serbia, who was kind of doughy for the first four years of his career.
1: Right. Uh, it, it, in in some ways, uh, and, and I want to I want to make sure that I get this quote correctly. Okay, I want to make sure we get this quote correctly. It, Isaiah Thomas famously said about Larry Bird: If he was black, he would just be considered another player. Right. That's how Larry Number Bird X. is viewed by Isaiah Thomas. Larry Bird did nothing overly flashy. But he was just great. But he is considered one of the all-time greats. And maybe Jokic needs to do it longer. Maybe that's what people are waiting for. But he has some things that are against him. Number one, you pointed out, he's a foreign-born player. Now, Giannis is a foreign-born player. And Doncic is a foreign-born player. Nowitzki was a foreign-born player. Um, but Giannis, well, how should I say this? Giannis isn't white. So being white, that's kind of held against you too a little bit because if you if you if you're white, you're considered completely non-athletic, which is an unfortunate stereotype. Just like it's an unfortunate stereotype that when someone who is black, uh, you don't use the word crafty when you talk about a black player, right? When, when a guy speaks well, like a Justin Simmons, well, he speaks well. That's such an insult. We, have too, we have too many stereotypes that are out there, right? With that, Jokic is a foreign-born player. He is white. There's nothing flashy about his game. Nowitzki, nothing flashy about his game. Doncic, something flashy about his game. So if you're white, foreign-born, and there's nothing flashy about your game, you're not hitting Sports Center.
2: Yep, you're not you're not getting the high, on the highlights every night. No, nope. because, it, and, and a great you know, if 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 you're gonna get on Sports Center for a pass, it's gotta be like one of those like a no look pass, right? right. You you don't get on Sports Center for and for and for anticipating for the perfect anticipation of a player cutting outside and setting him up for a three. That doesn't make it on Sports Center,
1: Right. And it uh, should. One more thing. That's what he does so well. And, and I, I was really racking my brain on this. I have a couple guys. There are a lot of underappreciated stars, Hall of Famers in sports history. You can make the case easily. Jokic is the most underappreciated star possibly playing in sports today. He's the MVP. And people are still looking to hand out the MVP award to anybody who can score 30 points in a game and hit a three-quarter court shot or a half-court shot. Can you compare him to anybody who is so greatly underappreciated in his era? I can think of two guys.
2: Go ahead. I want to hear your comps.
1: Frank Robinson. Mm -hmm. Frank Robinson was an unbelievable baseball player. But in his era, he unfortunately played in the same era as Willie Mays and And Henry Aaron. Yep. So he got completely overshadowed by them. And, but the guy who's probably at the top of the list, he had to play in the same era as Joe DiMaggio, Stan Musial. And I know our friend Nolan here loves me here and saying that Stan Musial was a 20 time all-star three time MVP fourth on the all-time hits list tremendously underappreciated because he was great, but not considered as great as some of his contemporaries. And that's where I think Jokic sits.
2: It's funny. Cause like I, now I've spent a fair amount of time in St. Louis over the years. And as you know, as Andrew would know, Stan usual is the man base is royal and the man, He's, like and there's a statue of him outside of Bush stadium. And it's sometimes and it's popular for people to say, me, I'll meet you at the st- I'll meet you at the mutual statue, right? That it's, it's a, it's a landmark, right? He is, he is, was, and is a landmark, but you're right outside of St. Louis and Cardinal nation doesn't get that same level of, of,
1: of appreciation. Think about this for a second. And he played for a long time. But think about the era that he played in, which was essentially two. He played from 41 to 63. That's 20 years. He was a 20-time All-Star, or 23 years, whatever it is. He played in the same era as Ted Williams, who played in Boston, and played in the same era as Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays. How do you compete with that when you play in St. Louis?
2: Even though the Cardinals were a more accomplished franchise...
1: It's then still St. Louis. Then
2: the Boston, then the Boston Red Sox. It's You're right. It's still
1: St. Louis. And Saint you know Louis. what? For Frank Robinson, played in Baltimore. It's not Boston. It's not New York. Right? Yeah. Same thing. All right. What do we have coming
3: up on? Just in case you missed it. Well, speaking of St. Louis, a development in the St. Louis versus the NFL lawsuit. Stan Kroenke might be going rogue on the other NFL owners. No. And also, uh, the no. AL and NL MVPs have been named in the MLB, and uh, the sports books took a big hit on that one. And there's a
1: guy at this station who crushed the sports book, and we're going to interview him after the break. Welcome back, afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us smiley You can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word.
0: The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just In Case You Missed It is presented by Masterpiece Roofing. Find out how Masterpiece can get your insurance company to pay for your roof. Call 720-242-6404 or go to MasterpieceRoofing.com today.
3: Just in case you missed it, according to Ben Fisher of the Sports Business Journal, Stan Kroenke has threatened to cut his own deal with the St. Louis plaintiffs who are suing the NFL arising from the relocation of the Rams. It's expected to go to trial. Per the report, Kroenke will do this unless the league promises to spread around the final settlement and the financial burden of the judgment. Cronkey is saying essentially that he reserves the right to cut his own deal with the St. Louis plaintiffs and then force the rest of the league to stand trial without him. Do you think the owners will try to force Kroenke out of the league? if he does cut his own deal with the city of St. Louis and leave the rest of the NFL holding the bag for the other suit.
2: You know what if the NFL owners can't get Daniel Snyder out of if the NFL can't get Daniel Snyder out of the league for all he's done, they're not going to be able to get Stan Kroenke out of the league. And the other thing is I think if it's the level of check that Stan Kroenke would have to write for St. Louis to say yes to a deal from at least just him is so absurdly high that I think it's a threat that is probably just hollow.
1: You know who's laughing uncontrollably right now? Al Davis. Somewhere Ah. out there Al Davis is saying good. Good for you Stan. You got the NFL but here's the thing and you and I have talked about it before all these owners are sharks in their own way. But they invited the big shark into the pool, and now the big shark is shark he is their daddy. Make no mistake about it. Jerry Jones has a lot of money. But Stan Cronkey's the daddy shark.
2: Yeah. He is he's the bull shark. The, yeah. bull, the bull shark is the most dangerous shark. Yep. That's what he is. Stan Cronkey's the bull shark.
3: Just in case you missed it, announced this afternoon, the MLB MVP Awards went to, in the AL, Shohei Otani. In the NL, Bryce Harper. Sportsbooks, one in particular, uh, stands to lose over a million dollars for Shohei Otani winning that award.
1: And you know what? There's a guy in studio here who helped some of those sportsbooks take a bath, Nolan, who runs the controls from MileHighSports.com. You bet on Bryce Harper. You bet on Shohei Hotani. Before the season started, tell us what you bet and what you won.
3: I put a $10 bet on Shohei Hotani with plus 2,000 odds back in March. Before it even started. Great value there to win 210 And Bryce Harper. Uh, plays this one back on August 5th at plus 3,000 odds on a $35 bet.
1: Won me $1,085 drinks are on you tonight mace i'll have a moscow mule in your honor we have a show coming up uh so we got to get to it but final thoughts mace
2: yeah you know what first of all the we talked about the mvps i know you're not on board with uh, with bryce harper but they got these two right and i'm i'm glad i'm glad that otani won especially i mean really i mean if if Otani's doing things that we literally have never seen in Major League Baseball in terms of a combination of skill set. So for him to not get the MVP would have been criminal.
1: I could care less about those guys. I'm happy for my guy Nolan because I'm thinking of ordering an appetizer too. All right, that's going to do it for us. Nolan, great job. Same with you, Danny Mace. Great job. in Madison, we'll talk again tomorrow while you are in Wisconsin. Make it the best possible night you can.